Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. No matter how foreign that may look to our prideful flesh that wants things done on our terms, and not your terms. Blessing or judgment, so be it. Our great God and King, your will is holy and righteous. Our will is selfish and vain. Forgive us, Father, and strengthen the weak by your mercy and through your grace in accordance with your will alone. In Jesus' name, amen. We see that the deceived did not learn with Q. They did not learn with MAGA. And they have not learned with America first. Now they double down and they dig deeper with this phrase, Christian nationalism. And I want to start this episode off by saying this, my friends, the political idol's name may change, but the deception remains the same. You say, well, what is the solution? The solution is simple, very simple. Repentance is the solution. We read in Jeremiah 56, my people have been lost sheep. The shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. This resting place is found at repentance. Repentance, my friends. I've seen that Andrew Torba, he's the CEO of Gab, who made it to the news headlines concerning this Christian nationalism that has put the mainstream media in an uproar. He said that he was reading Acts chapter 17, and he says it's about Paul and Silas going from city to city and turning the world upside down with the gospel, and he says it's inspiring. And it is inspiring to see this world transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ and his word. It's very inspiring, and I'll tell you why. Because yes, you are correct. He turned, they turned, we turn this world upside down with the gospel. And then they said that there is another king, one Jesus. And they, in doing so, opposed the state as they preached the gospel. There wasn't an harmony. There was an opposition between the state and and this gospel. Nowhere in this chapter will we read of a harmonization, a compromise, or even a Rome first Christian nationalist party being formed by these preachers of the gospel, Paul and Silas. Paul surely understood what political idolatry was in his time. He, he, he had to rebuke it, no doubt. Acts 17, 6, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly wholly given to idolatry, idolatry which encompasses all sorts of idolatry to include political idolatry that even bowed before their emperors. And then what did he do? What was his response to this idolatry? He preached Repentance. He preached repentance. Brother Torba, in this same chapter, chapter Acts 17.30, in the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. 
This is the word of God. And therefore, I see this type of idolatry, this political idolatry that's rising up through the ranks of Christendom with Andrew Torba leading its cause. So I op- so I wrote him an open letter, an open gab post, because I had DM'd him, and of course I received no reply. That's a private message that I had sent to him with no sort of reply back. So I felt led to write him an open gab. That's just a, a public post on his own platform. And I told him, I said, brother, I truly care about you, and that is why I have come back. Because I was just about to jump ship altogether. But I come back today and I spent many hours to rebuke this dark path of Christian nationalism. Which you have chosen to walk. Political idols and solutions are not the solution. Jesus is king and he already has all dominion over the nations. And I asked him how many... Political grifters have to stab you in the back before you understand this, my brother. Q has betrayed you. MAGA has betrayed you. America First has betrayed you. But guess what? Jesus has never betrayed you. Jesus has never betrayed us. And I told him, repent. And commit your allegiance to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And I, and I signed it a concerned brother in Christ. Our Savior has not forsaken us, my brother Torba. We need not to forsake him for these political idols that, that, that you think that could save us or will save this country. We cannot serve two masters. We pray that God's will will be done. Not our will will be done. Jeremiah 51.5 For Israel hath not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God, or of the Lord of the host, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. God's got our back. Preach his word. Just do what he told us to do. Stop chasing these backstabbing politicians. Just the other day, a Pennsylvania politician running for governor by the name of Doug Mastriano did exactly that. He betrayed Torba when the Antichrist media came down upon him hard. And then the same politician ended up retweeting a commentator, a political commentator, with uh, with 666 in his name. Stickshammer666, I believe his name is. He retweets them on Twitter. Uh, a spiff cheese had posted this, this Stickshammer666 and says, Guzzle down that corporate media hater. Here's an alternative viewpoint if you can't handle it. And this is where I find the biggest slap in the face of Christ. And that is the morphing of this Q, MAGA, and America First into a monster called Christian nationalism that's even supported by open pagans. Open pagans are teaming up with this Christian nationalism. And all I can say is repent. 
Joshua 24 in our reading, verse 23. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Verse 16, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And this is all that I'm asking, is that we say the same and say, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve these political gods. For all these gods, these idols, they will be judged. Jeremiah 51, 52, wherefore behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will do judgment. Upon her graven images and through all her land that wounded, the wounded shall groan. Joshua 24, 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And then they tell me that preaching this is not optimistic. Right wing coder comes back to the threads after a day or so for a new round. And he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, signed some Judean nationalist, probably. Now, right-wing coder, the key words here are thy will, and this does not mean your will. He is the king of kings, not some Christian nationalist political party. And he's not your Judean nationalist either. He's a king, the king of kings, who did spring forth from Judah. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14 through 25 in our reading, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life, for he testified, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For, this, for there is a verily a disannulling of the commandment going before the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by that which, he, which we draw nigh unto God. And as much as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, not some political party led by sinful men. By the Most High Priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the unchangeable one, the Holy One of Israel. So I'd be careful right-wing coder, when you reduce our Lord and King to some Judean nationalist just because he was born in this region. Right-wing coder, in all fairness, replies, the point is we do the work of the King here on earth in all, all spheres, and this includes civics. It's not idolatry to work toward more godly rulership and law. Why do, do you prefer ungodly rulers and depraved laws, he asks? I simply replied, 
I prefer God's will to be done. God's will to be done no matter if it is for blessing or judgment. And this is the point. Should the Chaldeans have shouted and cried, Chaldea first? Should that Babylon or Bel or Merodach? Jeremiah 51 and 2, the word of the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare you among the nations and publish and set up a standard, publish and conceal not. See, Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are confounded, her images are broken in pieces. Has not America been taken? Is not America confounded? Is not America broken in pieces by the idols that have overtaken this land? Verse 18 of the same chapter, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land as I have punished the king of Assyria. Here we see that God is clearly in control of the nations. He is governor of the nations. Verse 25, the Lord hath opened his armory and hath brought forth the weapons of his indignation. For this is the work of the Lord God of hosts in the land of Chaldeans. But yet you want to say, oh, this is not optimistic. I didn't know that the judgment of God was supposed to be optimistic. It is optimistic because the the wrath of Almighty God will bring good. It will bring people to their knees and, and many more will come to repentance. God truly loves us. These political parties do not love you and I. We are to take all commands from the tower, the tower of the Lord. God is very detailed with his command, his commands and his instructions. Judges, begin the book of Judges. In chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Here we see them present themselves before the Lord and ask, What is your will? Not what they thought they ought to do. Not what they thought they needed to do, but what God wanted them to do. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I will deliver the land into his hand. He was very specific. J.S. Sweets 11 on Gab, who has followed my work there for some time, kindly asks, On earth as it is in heaven, what's so wrong with wanting to create an economy solely based on Christian values? Well, my dear sister in Christ, it's something that we should humbly pray for. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. It's not something that we can pridefully create on our own without seeking God to see if that's what he wants to be done. I see a whole lot of this Christian nationalist pride that points its middle finger at God from the right Just like the pride of the Rainbow Coalition points their middle finger at God from the left. All I know is that this pride is not humility. This pride is not repentance. And God hates this pride. Proverbs 6, 16-19. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. 
Lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. And all I know is that this pride will not escape judgment. And then someone calls me a, a judgmental a-hole in response to this. A judgmental a-hole. That's their defense of Christian nationalism, to cuss me out. Jeremiah 50, 40, As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord, So shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Now I have a question for you, Christian nationalists. Is America above this overthrowing? Whether it be optimistic to you or not, is it above this overthrowing? Yet you still want to pridefully say, America first. Instead of calling this nation to repentance, we should be weeping and we should be howling for such an antichrist country that has defied Almighty God with their sins. But yet you want to argue against me about, about this repentance. You want to argue against me about keeping Christ first in all things and defend America first. This phrase, defend Q. Defend MAGA. Jeremiah 51 8, Babylon has suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her? Take balm for her pain if she so be if, if so be she may be healed. All I have to say, my friends, is repent. Repent. Jeremiah 50 31. Behold, I am against thee, O thou most proud, saith the Lord God of hosts, for that day is come, the time that I will visit thee. The day is coming. Who are we to say that we are going to rise up and defy Almighty God and His judgment if He pours His wrath upon a, a disobedient and sinful nation such as America? Verse 32, And the most proud shall stumble and fall, and none shall raise him up. And I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it shall devour all around about him. What we have pridefully created and have seen in the past and should concern us as it rises today is this Christian nationalism. The same Christian nationalism Minecraft Moratus speaks of in his reply. He said, I'd also like to point out that Christians have murdered Christians for 2,000 years on what constitutes being a Christian. Entire wars have been waged, villages burned, thrones toppled over where to place the punctuation in the Nicene Creed. So what Christian nation do we plan to establish? Lutherans? Catholics? And how long after we all fight to establish it before whatever dominant group decides we all must do it their way or die? This has been the Christian nationalism of the past. And then Doug replies, he says, this too is a political post based on pessim a pessimistic view of the church's long-term long ability to follow the Great Commission. Christian nationalism is the desire that we would baptize all nations and teach them to obey all Jesus' commands. <laughs> Only if it was just that. He goes on to assume ultimate defeat is to forget the bookends of the Great Commission. We are to approach our task knowing that Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and we are to remember that this same Jesus 
will be with us to the end of the age. Well, my friend Doug, I suppose that Jeremiah was pessimistic pessimistic when he wrote in a book in verse 60, Jeremiah 51. So Jeremiah wrote in, in a book all the evil that should come upon Babylon. Even all these words that are written against Babylon. We don't need these titles such as Christian nationalism. They're easily confused with the Christian states of the past. Only if it were so simple and it could be easily defined and history would show the same that it was just to baptize all those who are repentant from the nations and teaching them to obey all that Jesus commands. Only if it were that simple, but it's not. And you know that. So I ask you, who is assuming ultimate defeat? Because the word of God makes it clear that we already have won in Christ. That Jesus Christ has all the dominion. Who are you or anyone else to believe that you have to do something that Christ has not already accomplished? We are commanded to preach the gospel and to obey the great commandment period. Nowhere does the Bible teach in America first Christian nationalism, which is idolatry, if not borderline blasphemy. Doug replies and says, my context shows the defeated mindset of a church that fails and loses until the closing of history. The gospel is our method of proclaiming victory of the king who sends us to the nations to make disciples with his marching orders and his promise to empower us. He says if we spread this gospel and Jesus grants us success resulting in baptism and teaching them to obey, won't this result in societal and even political change over time? He says politics is not the beginning point. It is the result of a faithful church carrying out the instructions of our master with the expectation of the eventual advancement of the kingdom on this side of the return of Christ. He says, I want to win this nation because that is where God has placed me and I want to do it through the successful sharing of the gospel. Do you have a different definition of Christian nationalism? Well, first I applaud your desire because that's exactly what we're called to do and that is to share the gospel to the nations, to include America, regardless of what God's will is, regardless if this nation has been turned over to a reprobate mind. He did not say stop preaching. Now, if success were measured in baptisms, these baptisms would be preceded by repentance. And this is my point, friends. Repentance. Repentance that comes with faith a faith that comes by hearing the word of God. So keep preaching the word of God as we're commanded. Regardless if God in his perfect and holy will chooses to bring judgment or blessing upon this country called America. And this is why we continue to pray that will be done and not our will be done. Who are we to rise up and say that Christian nationalism is the only hope for America? Christian nationalism is not the only hope for America. Jesus Christ is. And if he allows us to rise up again through individual repentance that leads into church family repentance, to church repentance, to, to, to city repentance, to country repentance, so be it. Praise his holy name. But we must take into account that America may very well be 
left in a reprobate state, according to Romans chapter 1. And if this be the will of God, so be it. I will still praise him. I will still keep repenting by his grace. I will still keep preaching the gospel to the lost. But we cannot forget the harm and the damage and the souls that have been martyred. The men and women of Christ who were Christ first, Christ alone, who preached the word of God, who were burned at stakes by Christian nationalism of old. Repeatedly persecuted the elect throughout history. Christian nationalism is an unnecessary term for what we are called to do. We just do what God wants and he will do the rest. He promises that. He is the governor of the nation who has all the power. We're not taking anything back that he does not give us. And it's on this this on-demand, optimistic, false gospel preaching that teaches that we are in control. It's just another name it and claim it theology from the pits of hell. And that's why I say that Christian nationalism is just another false gospel. It's proud, it genders strife, and it knows nothing. And I have a newsflash. God is in control. And all who will repent and put their trust in Christ will have an optimistic end. We do. We've, we've already won, my friends, in Jesus Christ. And I keep hearing about this eschatology that is optimistic and that it's, that it's all, it's nothing about doom and gloom. But yet then I have to scratch my head and ask myself, what Bible is being read to come to this sort of conclusion? There is much doom and gloom in the Bible called the judgment of God. Now do you know why health and wealth false gospels exist? And now do you know why this so-called Christian nationalism that says it's going to rise up on its own accord? And that it believes that it's going to optimistically convert America to Christianity without repentance, by force even? Now do you know why this exists? Charlie replies and says, Christian nationalism is the only biblical option. There's no other form of government supported by scriptures. He says, you're attacking a straw man when you say it's a false gospel. That's just stupid. No one is claiming Christian nationalism gives you eternal life. You either have a deep misunderstanding of Christian nationalism or you're biblically illiterate. Even your statement at the end about being God in control, what point are you refuting? Christian nationalists believe that too. Oh, they do. They believe that God is God is in control, huh? He says, if you really want to make a point, instead of punching the ear, then tell me what specifically is wrong about Christian nationalism. Well, I'll tell you this. Tell me what is specifically right about America First Christian nationalism with Scripture. And I asked him, does not God have all dominion already or not? Is not God in control? Was Paul Rome first? Was Jesus Judea first? So he can straw man that if he chooses, or he can repent. And of course, there was no reply. My good brother and friend, Rick, he chimed in today. He was texting me as he was about to lose service. And he says, I wanted to tell you that I think the problem with Andrew Torba is that he has been co-opted by the political grifters, probably unknowingly. He says, the problem with all of the Christian nationalism is that it's about more than our heart. 
He says it's our time and it's our talent and our treasure. He says, who do we serve with those things? There is no political solution. America cannot be saved. However, he said, Americans need to be saved. And this is where our time and this is where our talent and treasure and energy should be focused, Rick says. He says, those who are trying to save America but not trying to save Americans have allowed themselves to become useful idiots for Satan's agenda. And I told him, I said, you get it, brother, because our mission was given to us a long time ago and it requires no rebranding by political movements that have persecuted the brethren in the past. Rick said, Christian nationalism is nothing more than a get out the evangelical vote movement by the grifters. (laughs) That's the point. That is the point. It has nothing to do with the salvation of souls. And I'm very sad to see Torba participating in it because I truly expect better from him. How many times must he be stabbed in the back by these political grifters before he learns? Is the question. Rick says, trading spiritual gifts for spiritual grifts. I'll say that again. He said, trading spiritual gifts for spiritual grifts. He says, what Rick goes on, he says, what I love about the Psalms is that they always talk about fear and the things of the world, but then it always points us back to God. He says, people are living in fear, brother. And I agree, Rick. Because there is no need to fear. If we fear Christ and trust in him alone, and it's all Christ, or it's all nothing. Rick goes on, he says, think about it, brother. All of Christian nationalism is designed to take back control. He said, You just said in one of your posts, repentance is recognizing that God is in control and surrendering the vain idea that we could actually be in control. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the reason the workers are few is because they are busy making political rally signs and and political posts. And all I can say is amen. And I'm still waiting for one of them to argue that God does not have all dominion already over America and this world. Lauren had read these notes. I posted it on them on Substack and she commented on it and says, Hi there. I read this conversation with you and Rick and I can't help but point out his opinion that Andrew is being used unknowingly by grifters. She says, Andrew went to a Jesuit college and in an article posted by the college, bragged about using his Jesuit education to help humanity or something along those lines. She says, I wish I still had the link for the article. She says, this platform does allow free speech, but for what reason? I'm growingly believing that this platform is going to purposely be used as an example of why we should censor and demonize Christians. She believes that Andrew knows this which is why he continually pushes inflammatory movements on his site, such as America First and Christian Nationalism. In other words, she says his site is trying to make Christians look dangerous and irrational. And she says, this is just my personal gut opinion, which is why I no longer use the site. 
And she wishes us all a blessed weekend and that we would stay strong in, in the in the word. And I wish you the same, my sister in Christ. And I and I truly am starting to wonder about all this myself. I believe that there's an attempt here to serve two masters, and we know that that never ends very well. Joshua 24, 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I get flack for that. Because I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will not bow before your political gods. Lauren agrees. She says, be careful out there. And I agree, we must be careful and be on guard because the deception and delusion continues to grow stronger. Now, I do appreciate Torba. I still believe that he's a born-again Christian. And he's, and he's pointing out that which is Antichrist. He posts many times a day uh, concerning uh, this, the, the, the Antichrist activity that's going on in this country and world. But I do not appreciate his false solution. Twice, he said in recent Gab posts, to either choose Christian nationalism or the alternative of that which is Antichrist. His options are Christian nationalism or that which is Antichrist. No, my brother Torba, I choose Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, not your political movement. You're not getting any of the glory, brother. So here we see that they believe that this Christian nationalism is now the only solution. A political solution for a spiritual problem, they say. Knowing that Jesus says, Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It does not say Christian nationalism. Free speech czar-elect Kragok on Gab says something rather profound in response to this. Um, he says, Q was a false idol. MAGA set Trump up as a false idol. And America first put ourselves up as an idol. Now this is profound. He goes on and says, Christian nationalism sounds much closer to Christ first. I don't understand your beef. Uh, please be... Uh, elaborate in, uh, please elaborate in detail. He says, I respect you. And I want to know why you're taking such a strong stance on this issue. It reminds me of Nineveh and Jonah, he says. Well, my brother in Christ, and I know his intentions are good because he's a, a gospel supporter, and I thank you for that support, my brother. And I responded to him. I said, the greatest defense against Christian nationalism that believes that it's taking back dominion when all dominion belongs to God already is the Christian nationalism and the Christian states of the past that have persecuted the elect at burning stakes for merely preaching the word of God. It's the same Christian nationalism, by the way, that our founding fathers fled from to establish America. Our gospel movement was given to us a long time ago by Christ himself. We do not need these modern political movements redefining this mission with their branding and then declaring who a Christian is based on the acceptance or rejection of this branding. 
I don't know how much I can make it clear. It's Christ first. It's Christ alone. And that's, and that's exactly what it means. There are no political movements required. We are to declare the gospel and the work of the, the work and the word of the Lord, period. Jeremiah 51.10, the Lord hath brought forth our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Kragok says, she was a false idol. MAGA set Trump up as a false idol. America first put ourselves up as an idol. And now, my brother, Christian nationalism adopts all the above instead of repentance and a Christ-first strategy. There's a Andrew Isker, a Boniface option on Gab. And he says, this is why Christian nationalism must continue to grow. And then he goes on by pointing out some the gospel coalition he says is a clearinghouse of those at the top of the regime allowing Christianity in the United States it shows you what a cross section of church leaders and influential pastors who the local pastors you know you know you want to be like believe and think he says they are totally pathetic men then he names some guy named Andrew Wilson he says is a big name a pastor from England with a lot of influence in American evangelicalism and he thinks you should just let your congregation be full of women and children and get slaughtered by a mass shooter. He goes on, he says, they're truly disgusting, worthless people. It is no wonder these same leaders lock their churches down. Okay, so he goes on and on about these worthless people, he calls them. And he says that this is why Christian nationalism must grow. Now, I agree that we as Christians must repent. And we must examine ourselves whether we be in the faith and we must look at our own lives. But I also see here that Isker needs to repent as he attempts to redefine what a true Christian is in accordance with his Christian nationalism. And that is the problem. I suppose Isker and the like will be the ones who will define who is worthy of such a title since all of those who do not fall under his umbrella of Christian nationalism are worthless, as he states. And this is the problem. This is the historical pattern of Christian nationalism. My Christianity is defined by Christ, period. Not your Christian nationalism. So it looks like your, your little pool, Esker, of recruits are going to not extend beyond your little political idolatrous circle at the moment. And all I can say is good thing your foolishness cannot do anything against the cause of Christ. So Christian nationalism, who's going to run your Christian state? Isker, Paula White, Joel Osteen, the Chinese, and their, with their Christian state model, the Catholic Church again, the Jab Father. Like I've said, you can keep it all. There's a reason our founding fathers fled all of these things. KG, time for thrilling heroics. On Gab says, I prefer none of those, but most would be better than the Satan's spawn we have running this show today. He says, this is a nation founded not in any Christian church, but undeniably on Christian values and was born out of a revolution that spread through Christian churches. Anyone who says otherwise is a liar. Okay, so KG, time for thrilling heroics. On Gab, you prefer the wolf in sheep clothing over just the wolf then. Is, is that what you're saying? 
These Christian values spread through the grassroots ministry of repentant local churches, like you have alluded to, but they were not forced down to us from political governments. And it's here that I win with the supremacy of Christ every single time. And it's here that you lose by opposing his supremacy to establish your own supremacy because God is in control. Jeremiah 18.8, if that nation against whom I pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Verse 9, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. Verse 10, if it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of that good. Wherewith I said I would benefit them. So dear Christian nationalist political idolaters, here's the point. God has all dominion already to include over Antichrist America, whether it be for blessing or judgment. You are taking zero dominion from him. Therefore, we only have one job, and that is to repent and to trust in Jesus Christ alone. KJR0305 says, I'm curious, under Christian nationalism, who would get to decide if I am Christian enough? I mean, we all know the Catholics have different views than the Protestants, and Protestants can't even agree among themselves. If I just converted, am I required to be a card-carrying member for a year or two? She says this would end as always. The group with the most money would push everyone else out and persecute their own Christian brethren. And it's here, my sister in Christ, that history pr proves exactly what you speak of. Because there is a long list of the elect who have been martyred by the hands of Christian nationalism. Oh, not to mention, you can take a guess where this money that you speak of comes from. Brian Pulpit says modern preachers have seemed to completely reject God's holiness and only focus in on his grace. And I agree, my brother. It's not just about the, the optimistic. There's the pessimistic as well. And it comes with the love and the wrath of Almighty God. And he says, is it any wonder as to why America's in the condition it is? And I'll tell you, I must humbly say myself, it's only because of his grace that I see his holiness. And this is why I'm passionate about these things. And this is why I wrote an open letter to our brother in Christ, Andrew Torba. Because it's in Christ, in Christ alone, whom we must trust. He is our salvation. Jeremiah 50, 34, their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He shall thoroughly plead their cause that he might give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. It's through our Redeemer. The Lord of hosts is his name, not Christian nationalism. Why do American churches believe that they have the authority or even the ability to fill in a gap of righteousness for God that we read about in Jeremiah 51, 15. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heaven by his understanding. No, my friends, on the contrary, we should be humble before all our mighty God and we should know Jeremiah 51, 18. They are vanity, the work of errors. In the time of their vis visitation, they shall perish. The Lord is our strength. He is our battle axe. 
Jeremiah 51.20, Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war, for with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy the kingdoms. Verse 36, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will plead thy cause and take vengeance for thee, and I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. But yet we have politicians such as Wendy Rogers who has posted recently, We are in a war and our nation is being extracted. The battlefield is our elections information, our public institutions, our corporations, and our schools. She says they don't use force they use the tools of asymmetric warfare psychological operations and mass media make no mistake the enemy wants us to be weak and fully conquered they hate god the family in america beware and stay vigilant and i say stay vigilant in christ wendy does ephesians 6 ring any bells we are in a spiritual war our strength our battle axe is our lord and savior jesus christ and it's when we put our trust in him that we read Joshua 24, 12, and I sent the hornet before you, which drave, the, which drave them out before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with the sword, nor with thy bow. The Lord is in control, my friends. We must trust in him. And you say, well, how do we arrive at this favor and protection of the Lord? Repentance. Repentance, not pride. It is repentance from the heart that hears Hebrews 8.12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Trust in him, my friends. Trust in him, my brother Torba. And that is why I wrote an open letter which is the title of today's episode number 212. Psalm 31, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. For thou art my strength. And to thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and hast not shut me up in the hand of the, of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to my acquaintance. They that did not see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel against me. They devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servants. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. 
O how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful, and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you that hope in the Lord. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.